Welcome back to Health Call Live, where health information is free and the stethoscope is never cold. We're here to answer your questions at 447-1190. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Okay, let's shift focus this half hour to something that sends half a million people to the emergency room every year. It makes another 20 million people sick. And quite frankly, it is disgusting. It's a nasty little thing, a nasty little virus called the norovirus. It causes severe vomiting and diarrhea. And quite frankly, there's nothing you can do to treat it. Once someone brings it into your house, you are in for a very rough 48 hours. And that's why the government spent several million dollars on a project to understand this virus better. Part of the research was done by Leanne Jacobs of North Carolina State University, where they actually, get this, they invented a vomiting machine to prove to what extent this ugly little virus can become airborne. She told me this virus is known by many different names, but they all mean nothing but misery. What we have typically, at least certainly when I was a kid, what we've typically typically called the stomach flu. Okay, that is the disease that norovirus cause, causes. Or I think my mom used to call it the 24-hour bug, where you've got um, vomiting, diarrhea pretty badly for 24 hours, and then there's a recovery period of maybe another 24 hours. But usually you recover just fine. Sometimes you need a little bit of rehydration therapy, but, um, but there really isn't a treatment for it other than allowing it to sort of pass through. Um, and um, yeah, so that's sort of the basics of of Noro. It's transmitted in a variety of different ways. The leading cause is sort of what we call person-to-person-to-person transmission, which is that's pretty vague term. It's just sort of close proximity with a bunch of other people. But um, foodborne disease or foodborne transmission is kind of the second most common way that it's that that it um, that people get sick from norovirus. Yeah, and this is a big concern at this time of year because kids are back in school, daycare centers, and this is where it can really spread. Also, long-term care facilities in in children and the elderly. This can be a serious health threat, right? Yeah, it can be. Um, It it actually, the virus has, well, let me take a big step back. Um, As I said, that um, close personal contact is is sort of the leading way that the virus is spread, maybe 67 or about 70% of the time. And so think about places where people are in, you know, relatively close quarters, close to one another um, for perhaps extended periods of time. So schools, nursing homes, cruise ships, this is the what is fondly called the cruise ship virus, even though cruises are um, not in any way a leading um, uh, cause of norovirus infection. Um, and um, uh, and it is, it's really important to remember that this is what we call a fecal oral spread virus. In other words, it's spread by, by um, it, this sounds gross, but it's true, um, um, if well, the whole you, subject if, is gross, but it's true. Yeah, it is. <laughs> if you consume a small amount of fecal material from an infected individual that has virus in it, then that initiates an infection in the um, lower gastrointestinal tract, um, probably in the um, in the uh, large intestine. Excuse me, small intestine, and um, uh, and and leads to these symptoms. Um, it is important to know that um, even though that sort of the leading symptoms are. Are nausea, or, well, the leading symptoms are nausea, diarrhea, and vomiting. Vomiting really is wh- 
what we call the hallmark symptom for, for norovirus infection. So almost everybody who has norovirus will vomit, and frequently they will vomit um, pretty dramatically. Sometimes we, we call that projectile vomiting, where it almost comes across the room. Um, so uh, I'm always cautious if I'm around somebody who is showing evidence of projectile vomiting because it's more than likely that they have a norovirus infection. And with all of that spread, it can get into the air, right? I mean, it's not just a, a contact-related virus in some cases. Yeah, and this is a really important piece of information. There, there's really two kind of things that go along with that. Um, so there was epidemiological evidence for many years that um, f- that the virus was probably spread or, or at least um entered the environment through vomitus. I mean, we know fecal matter is sort of the number one um, carrier of virus. And and, um, and honestly, um, an infected person is shedding really millions to billions of, of viruses in um, their fecal matter um, or, or their stool or their poop, whatever, whatever word you want to use. And it only takes, you know, the numbers differ, but it probably only takes about 10 to 1,000 viruses to make somebody sick. So massive amounts of virus are being spread um, through fecal material of, of infected individuals. But we also now know that vomit is spread in lower concentrations, or but it's released into the environment in lower concentrations when people vomit. And so one of the kind of big projects that our group did was to try to prove that and quantify it to a certain extent. Um, and so we built, this was probably, I don't know, six, seven years ago, we built a what we fondly called a vomiting machine. And that vomiting machine was then, um, um, we used a, a harmless virus that mimics norovirus. And then we looked to see, number one, did it get aerosolized in this simulated vomiting um, um type of um, situation. And then if it did, what was how much virus was, was aerosolized? And what we found was that, yes, it was aerosolized. The aerosolization was not terribly efficient, but it probably was enough to make people sick. So so we are uh, concerned about aerosolization of, of, um, of virus and, and then potentially somebody breathing it in. It's not a respiratory virus. It's not like COVID in that way. But um, once it gets in through the mucus membranes, it then can go into the GI tract and initiate infection. So um, vomiting is is a, a secondary source. And in terms of person-to-person transmission, we have no idea how important it is. So for parents, the big issue here is once it's in the household, it's very difficult to stop the spread between members of your household. And I assume the same is true in a daycare setting where you're changing diapers. It's just so important that good hand hygiene is employed. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really important for people to recognize it is. And and I oftentimes tell, tell people if you have a kid who has a norovirus infection in your household, you, you you're pretty you're you're pretty much gone, a goner. <laughs> you know, you pr- probably shouldn't even try to battle it. Uh, you know, use good hygiene, wash your hands, disinfect, etc. But it's more than likely that it once it's in the household, that you know the, the whole family's probably going to come down with it. Well, isn't that just a pleasant thought? Get that twenty five percent are associated with food contamination, 25% of cases. So that happens when someone in the kitchen at a restaurant, or I guess at home, is carrying the virus and then spreads it to food that you eat raw or spreads it to your plate, your silverware table. But wait a minute, don't restaurants use disinfectants? Well, you're going to be surprised when you hear what Dr. Jacobs has to say about that. 
because those disinfectants might not be taking care of this norovirus. And we're going to find out more about what that means for you next on the Health Call Live Radio Hour on WoWo. You're listening to Health Call Live, your regular Saturday morning appointment with healthcare professionals, where treatment is always painless and there's never a copay. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. You know, we are fearless on this program talking about things that can be, well, kind of disgusting. And that's that's where we are today, quite frankly. We're talking about an infection from something called norovirus. This is a family of viruses that cause you to spew. And when you do, you release these viruses in huge numbers through vomit and diarrhea. It has been a problem on cruise ships for a while, in nursing homes, and each year entire school systems can be shut down for a week or so when the virus gets loose. Dr. Leanne Jacobs participated in a study at North Carolina State University looking into this virus, and she's found it is just extremely difficult to kill. This particular virus, if it's deposited on a surface, and that can happen if somebody defecates on the surface, or even if you have virus in the air through vomiting and it settles on a surface, okay? But virus is stable on surfaces for four plus weeks. So if you have a contaminated surface, that virus is going to stick around for a really long time. So a month later... I come in contact with that virus, get it in my mouth, and I can be infected after a month? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh Wow. Um, And so so that means that things like um, hand sanitizers and surface sanitizers are really important, right? Because that's technically how you should um, get rid of the virus if it's on a contaminated hand or contaminated surface. The the other big feature that's really important is, is that this virus is extraordinarily resistant to most sanitizers and disinfectants that are used anywhere. Um, And um, so not only can it stick around, but it's very hard to kill. So that leads me to uh, a lot of different questions. So um, is the, the sanitizers used in most restaurants and food service areas, do we know what they're using and is it effective against this virus? Most restaurants, um, at least in the U.S., uh, and I would, and my guess is somewhere ninety percent or higher, use quaternary ammonium compounds um, as their disinfectants. I don't know if you've ever seen the rag and bucket where they'll yeah. have a rag and bucket and they walk around. Okay, that is usually quaternary ammonium compound. And um, formulation is important. So some some quat products are better than others. But really, the bottom line is 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 that um, virtually all products that rely on quaternary ammonium compounds as their as their sole active ingredient um, are not effective against human norovirus. In some instances, they don't even they don't even touch it. In other instances, you might get a ninety percent reduction. But keep in mind that sort of our standard is wanting 99.99% reduction. So they're still not very effective. So, um, so I, that's what's mostly used in restaurants. So when I see that, that server wiping down, the, the busboy wiping down the table, they're really not doing anything about this virus. Yeah, and that, and we've done some some recent, uh, a couple recent studies where I, that is becoming increasingly apparent. Not only is is 
the is the disinfectant not working but also if you're using a, a, a rag or a wipe or something like that if the disinfectant doesn't work you will remove some of the virus when you do the wiping steps but then that virus will remain on the the rags because um because it hasn't been inactivated and so that serves as a source of what we in my field call cross-contamination so the ability of that of of one surface of the cleaning process uh, of one surface to actually contaminate another surface. So what is effective? Uh, I am assuming hand sanitizers with an alcohol is, is that doing any good? So we also did a study where we looked at, I think, um, nine different hand sanitizers. Um, the active ingredient, uh, oh, the, the active ingredient by far for most hand, most commercial hand sanitizers is some sort of alcohol, usually ethanol, but sometimes isopropanol. My, I always tell people hand sanitizers are better than nothing, okay, if you have nothing, but you should never rely on them to completely eliminate norovirus. So really good hand hygiene, meaning don't get it on your hands in the, to start with, okay, and or good hand washing are your best controls um, relative to hand to hand, sanit, uh, hand sanitizing. Let's shift to uh, what I'm doing in my kitchen, not necessarily around norovirus, but just generally. Um, so I'm using, I just checked last night, uh, I spray down countertops with a plant-based disinfectant. That's why I bought it. I thought, oh, it's plant-based. It's a disinfectant. Oh, that's going to be good. It uses thymol as its active yeah. ingredient. Is that doing any good at all? Well, I haven't done studies with thymol, and I and I um, I have read studies that um, use other kind of natural ingredients that are not all that dissimilar from thymol, um, and they generally don't work at all against against norovirus. I would be very um, I would be very leery that it works against human norovirus. One of the problems. There, there, and, and I don't want to get into a lot of detail on this, but we can't cultivate human norovirus in the lab, or we, or we can, but it, but it's not a method that we can use for routine disinfection studies at this point in time, and um, and consequently, we rely on using these culturable surrogate viruses that mimic norovirus but aren't really human norovirus, and those tend to be a little bit more sensitive to sanitizers and disinfectants, um, and and but and they also serve as the basis, or the data from them also serves as a, as the basis for making label claims with, for antinoroviral activity. So you will see. Um, sometimes when you pick up a product or, or um, uh, buy a product in the store that it'll say, oh yeah, we work against human norovirus. But it's really important to keep in mind that, that, that the ability to make that claim on a surface sanitizer is entirely based on these surrogates and the surrogates really are not a great model. Yeah. So you even have to be pretty cautious when you read the label claims. So what about just general bacterial cleanup? Are those products that I'm using, like that thymol and other sort of disinfectant wipes, are they helping? Are they doing anything? They're much more effective against bacteria than they would be against norovirus. I can't tell you how effective they are against bacteria without reading um, those studies, but I can tell you they would be more effective. What do you do in your own home, in your own kitchen that I might learn from? You've studying this stuff, you've got to do something different than all the rest of us, right? 
Well, my kids laugh because, you know, I, I do have um, stool samples from people who have gotten um, sick with norovirus. And, and when they, when my girls were growing up, I, it was not, un- it was not unlikely to find a stool sample sitting in the freezer that mom was waiting to take into the oh my. Uh, So I may be a little more cavalier than other people because I keep poop in my freezer. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, you know, I am very careful uh, about um, I'm careful about hand hygiene, um, but I know enough about norovirus and the fact that, um, you know, your real risk factor is being exposed to a person who has it. OK. And so so, you know, in day to day in terms of norovirus control day to day, I don't worry so much about it. Um, I do worry, for example, if there's a if I happen to be around a vomiting incident, um, a public vomiting incident, and and actually in most certainly retail establishments there are um, there's a lot of efforts to clean up rapidly and effectively and cordon off after a public vomiting event. Um, I think that bathrooms, restaurant, you know, kind of public restroom, um, a reservoir for the virus. And um, so I am particularly careful about hand washing in public restaurants at, or pe- public restrooms. And, and, and then I also think that sort of one of the, one of the, uh, one of the issues that we haven't as a society really dealt with a lot is how this virus does um, move through things like schools. And um, so I think there's a great need to begin. I mean, I think that nursing homes and and elder care facilities, extended care facilities, we're pretty aware that this is a problem. We're less aware in schools. Yeah, so keep that in mind as we get back into the classrooms here this fall. I mean, you know, kids today are so focused on COVID, of course, and everybody's paying attention to that. But we do need to pay attention to what's going on with this norovirus. So she recommends keeping your kids home for three days if you suspect they got tagged by norovirus. The worst of the symptoms can be gone after two days, but they can still be shedding the virus. And, you know, our kids really are all that great about hand hygiene after using the restroom. So we need to really keep on top of that. So be sure to teach the kids the importance of washing their hands and avoiding public restrooms is something she just brought to my attention. I'm always a little freaky about that, but uh, maybe with good reason, right? She said if a child vomits in school, red flag, the virus could be on the move. And she says schools really need to learn how to clean up appropriately. So you clean up the mess first and then sanitize. That second step, the sanitizing is important. And as you heard her say earlier, not all sanitation products are going to kill this virus. It's pretty tough. And if it can live in a surface and be infected for four weeks, man, that's a problem. So good idea for everybody to be aware of all this stuff. And, you know, the the greatest risk really is to children and the elderly. They're the ones that if this virus gets a hold of them, they can dehydrate quickly. And as I said at the beginning of the program, half a million emergency room admits every year because of this nasty little thing called the norovirus. If you'd like to know more, and I can't imagine that you would, but if you do, uh, there's a little bit more uh, detail with Dr. Jacobs on the 
the video version of this interview, which is up right now on the Health Call Live YouTube channel. We'll get it linked up on the on the Health Call Live website shortly. That's at healthcall.live, healthcall.live. All right, time's gone for us this week. Hope to see you again next week and love hearing from you through the course of the week. You can go to healthcall.live and there's a place where you can drop me a line, shoot me a message, and always interested in hearing from you. Glad to help you with information that's going to make your life better. That's what our mission is, and that's why we're here every every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. All right, we'll see you next week for the Health Call Live Radio Hour right here on WoWo, 1190 a.m. and 107.5 FM. You've been listening to Health Call Live. Watch a recording of today's program on the Health Call Facebook page or on the web at www.healthcall.live. Drop us a line to recommend a guest or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. for another edition of Health Call Live on WoWo, 1190 a.m. and 107.5 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.